Lloyd Lobo has harnessed the power of community-led growth to bootstrap his startup Boost AI to $10 million in revenue. In his Wall Street Journal best-selling book, From Grassroots to Greatness, he shares 13 rules of community-led growth. In episode 57 of the Marketing Power Show, we learn, first of all, the different types of community-led growth models. Second, how to design unforgettable community experiences. Third, how to make your community sticky. Four, a power-up that has accelerated Lloyd's career. Before we get started, I created a free power-up sheet that you can download and apply Lloyd's 13 rules of community-led growth. You can get it now on marketingpowerups.com. I'll find the link in the show notes and description. Are you ready? Let's go. Marketing power-ups. Ready? Go! Here's your host, Ramley John. So, I'm excited for you to come on. You just wrote this amazing best-selling book, uh, both on Amazon and Wall Street Journal, from grassroots to, to greatness. You share 13 rules there about building iconic brands with community-led growth, like I'm curious. You, you've been in this community like we've chat. Actually, we've chatted a couple of years ago uh, with traction and um, you know a bunch of other stuff that you're working on. How did you get started with community? Like, is it like just you're a kid and you just like community, or like how did you get plugged into starting start building community? You know, everyone is jumping on the community bandwagon, yeah. which is good. I think everyone <laughs> should build communities. I'll tell you something. There's four skills I found through my journey that if you adopt will lead to infinite success. The first one is community. Your companions matter the most. You're the average of the four or five people you surround yourself with, right? So, you know, some common learnings here is I only ever work for startup founders. And so after doing, working for three startup founders, it was inevitable that I would become a founder, right? Because I'd hit a ceiling. Your companions matter the most. I... Everything I have is the community I built from getting early customers to bootstrapping the company to eventually the, the folks who bought 50% of Boast and made me and my co-founder millionaires, they also came to a community event. So now I live in Dubai, more than 50% of the key stakeholders I met here is through the traction community. Mm. So for me, community is huge, but I'll tell you why it's part of my DNA. So I was born in Kuwait. My parents are from India. They were piss poor. My mom grew up in the slums of Mumbai with nine other siblings, lived in this house that had four cement block walls and an aluminum roof. My dad was a farmer, uneducated. They couldn't go out west. They needed to make ends meet. So they moved to Kuwait for better prospects, currency conversion. Where are you from, Ramli? Like background? Yeah, Philippines. I'm from Philippines. So lots of Filipinos and Indians in the Middle yep. East, right? Yeah, there is. <laughs> exactly. So, 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 so you understand that currency conversion. Yeah. And so one of the benefits of being in the Middle East was no matter what, your employer has to give you a 30-day uh, vacation and free return ticket for you and your family to back home. Mm. That's the rule. And so my parents couldn't afford to take us to Europe or anywhere else. So every summer of mine as a child was spent in the slums of Mumbai. And this is what the life was in the slums of Mumbai. Eating was a communal activity. Mm. Watching TV was a communal activity. If you cooked a little extra, you'd share it with your neighbors. (laughs) Going to the toilet was a communal activity because the house didn't have a toilet. You got, now you got grandkids and and 10 10 adults and, and grandparents living in the same house. And I kid you not, man, in the summers, it would rain a lot. So puddles would turn into ponds and we'd be swimming in that. 
Every morning you had to pump water. That was a communal activity. People are talking, right. associating. And I kid you not, man, every summer when we had to go back to Kuwait, I would grab my parents by their feet and say, just leave me back here. I don't want to come to Kuwait. I want to be here. Now, fast forward a few years, Kuwait was hit with the Gulf War. Security lapsed. There was no internet, no cell phones. Security completely lapsed. The country was rescued by the people. Every building became a sub-community that communicated with the next building and the next building. And they coordinated with embassies and governments and the United Nations and organized refugee buses and camps to get people from Kuwait to Baghdad to Jordan and eventually to their countries. And that time I witnessed one of the greatest marvels, man. It taught me a bunch of different things. The first thing it taught me was there's no feat that a group of people motivated by a common sense of purpose can't achieve. They can move mountains. The second thing, genuinely, like looking back, it taught me about some of the key principles of leadership. Great leaders don't cascade goals. They cascade purpose. I was this nine-year-old kid. I threw on a bandana like Rambo. Rambo was huge at the time. <laughs> And and I'm like acting like I'm helping. I want to be helpful. And you know, as a right. nine-year-old, you want to be helpful, but you're more disruptive. Nobody made me feel like I was a frustrating kid. Mm. They're like, help along. It. I genuinely felt through that experience that I was Rambo saving Kuwait from Saddam Hussein. And yeah. a, a similar analogy comes to mind. You know, years later, I I heard or read about this urban legend that President Kennedy was walking the halls of NASA and at midnight he sees a janitor sweeping the room and he says, ask the janitor, what are you doing at this hour? And the janitor says, sir, I'm putting a man on the moon. <laughs> That's what community is about, right? Like great leaders, yeah. cascade purpose where the lowest common denominator feels like they're driving the greater purpose. Yeah. So that was, that was my experience. Then fast forward a couple more years, I ended up in Canada. We immigrated finished engineering, worked at one startup after the next startup after the next startup. Um, and so like I was a part of the startup community, startup weekend, HubSpot's inbound marketing community. I learned a lot about startup creation and about marketing because I studied engineering. And after I finished engineering, I wanted to go into learning about building companies. And all the advice I got was going to sales, going to sales, going to sales, because you know, as a founder, you're selling, you're communicating, you need to learn to communicate better and putting yourself in an environment that forces you to, to communicate all the time, like sales is probably the best learning you can have as a founder. So I was, you know, to learn everything about sales, I took a sales job, I learned everything about sales and marketing from HubSpot's inbound marketing community, I learned everything about startups from startup weekend community, and that became my tribe. And then when we started Boast, literally, we were cold calling and we couldn't get customers. And so we were forced to build a community of practice around our customers' aspirations, and it became our community. And over time, we've grown it to 120,000 subscribers. But here's the kicker, man. All my life, I was surrounded by community. Think about it. As a child, I talked about slums of Mumbai to Gulf War refugee to growing up. I was always gravitating towards community. And, uh, and you know, your experience, you know, when, when you get punched in the face, Ramli, your experience goes out of the window. Your reflexes kicked in, kicks in, right? And so for me, punch in the face moment, punch yeah. in the face moment is when we're cold calling for boast and trying to get customers and we're getting turned down. And so the reflex was build a community because that's what we, we rebound to, um, right? Our reflexes. And 
all through that while, Ramli, I was poor and had no money. Okay. Um, modest family, lower middle class family growing up. And then my wife was a resident in medical school when we started Boast. And so she paid the bills. And, and, and then, of course, she started doing well. But nonetheless, across the last 10, 12 years, she was paying the bills. I didn't really make any significant money. Then when we sold half of Boast, one day I became a multimillionaire. And I ended up depressed mm-hmm. and lost, overweight, and face planted. And through the self-discovery that I went through, I realized something <laughs> which, which forced me to write the book on this topic. She was, all my life I had no money, but I was surrounded by great people. I had my community. I had my tribe. When I left the day-to-day at Boast, my identity was built around Boast, and Boast is a community-led company. I was Mr. Traction. I was everywhere at events and everything, and I felt I lost my tribe, and I face-planted. And Ramli, I kid you not, man, I went so crazy that I would randomly call people and say, I'm coming to your city I'm going to fly to you wherever. Like I've, I've gone in that time that I was depressed. I went from like France to Romania to Costa Rica. I just went meeting community people. Um, and then I had to see a shrink and go through this self-discovery. And then it was a fitness community that brought me to good health. And that's why I decided to write the book on, uh, on communities. But when I came to good health and, and sanity, I said, man, it's neither the destination nor the journey. The most iconic brands have one thing in common. They're they have community at its core. Yes, they have product-led companies. Yes, they have many things going, but they have a solid community of raving fans at its core. Uh, and and so I went on this uh, journey to research and look and find what were the things that made it tick. I love how community has been like so central in every stage of your life. Like you started all the way from the beginning when you were a kid to now like, you're you're you've grown out and grown you know for people who don't know you've grown your company to like over 10 million dollars sales maybe even more now and you've you know became a multimillionaire because of the community you built through through it essentially is what i've heard is so important for for your life itself yeah i'm curious like you know you've wrote you've written this book you've you've so it seems like you've gone from hell to back (laughs) and you're now a best-selling author can you share a little bit of insights from this book? I know you have 13 rules uh, of building community-led growth. And, you know, I'm curious if there's, you know, out of those 13, we probably don't have time to cover all 13 of them, but you must have a few favorites. You know, there's ones that really stick out for you or maybe ones that you you keep hearing or seeing other communities, community leaders make a mistake on. Can you talk a little bit about uh, some of some of the ones that you like, some of the rules uh, of community-led growth that you re- really sticks out for you? Definitely. You know, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the research, maybe a minute or okay. so. Yeah, that'd be cool. So, and and uh, and then I'll share the rules because I think this will make it tick. So, as I was going on this journey, I found a bunch of interesting things. One is loneliness is the number one killer in America. Number two. There is this concept of the blue zones, the, f- the f- places around the world where people live functionally until they're 100. And see, longevity without functionality is useless. But these five places, people live functionally until they're 100. They've got nine traits, and four or five out of the traits have to do with community and social. And then I started research all the companies and brands that endured and became iconic over time. So I must have talked to like a 1,000 or so people in the community I looked at maybe a 
150 or so brands. And I found something very interesting through all this research and conversation. Every obscure idea that eventually became an enduring global phenomena from Christ to CrossFit, every small idea that became an enduring global phenomena had the exact same four stages. Mm. Ignore the product and the technology and all of that aside. They had the same exact four stages. Stage one, people listen to you or buy your product. You have an audience. Stage two, you bring your audience together to interact with one another. You have a community. Now, community is the springboard of what's to come because when your community comes together to create impact towards a purpose that's greater than your product or your profit, it becomes a movement. And when that movement has undying faith in its purpose through sustained rituals, over time, it becomes a cult or a religion. So you got audience, community, movement, religion. So, you know, through this journey, I've tried to cover companies that's gone from audience to cult. Both stopped at community, but we have a long way to go. So I'll, I'll at least cover like the stuff. I'll cover the rules that span taking you from audience to community. How about that? Yeah, let's do it. I love I love that. Let's go there. Awesome. So the first step is, you know, Ramley, with anything, you need to have the DNA for it, right? Like if you don't draw joy from something, you won't do it mm. for long, right? You, you're a creator. You've been creating for long. You love this process. You love marketing. You love product. If you hate it and you're doing it, you wouldn't sustain, right? Yeah, I'd give up. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so so the, the, the first step is figuring out your core values. Mm. As I looked at all these community-led companies, I think having the joy of giving a love for your audience and the values of a community-led company is essential. You may have any number of values, but the core values I found for a community-led company are one is connection. They like to bring people together and create connection. Two is autonomy. They don't like to control. They like to give people the way to lead things because when people have the autonomy, they don't just create, they lead the way for everyone. The third is mastery, meaning helping people not just be stuck, but become better and better at what they do. The fourth is purpose, meaning something that's bigger than your product or profits. And think about it, in 2023, People have the option to do consulting and be solopreneurs and do a hundred different things. Why should they come to your nine to five? Hmm. There should be a purpose that's greater than the product or profit. Fifth is energy. Energy is huge. Look at every moment movement that's sustained over time. It's high energy. Imagine going to a conference where you love the talks and the people and everything. And suddenly at before lunch or at a certain time, a speaker comes and you're so bored and everyone, it just kills the energy and you want to leave. I'm sure. I'm sure you've been there, Lloyd. Like I'm. I'm sure and you've, you've been there. Yeah, you, I've seen some speakers. I was like, man, reading off the script. You know, they have like, like you know, cue cards or like something like that. Where yeah, their energy is not there. Energy is key to to building a community. And the last one is recognition, man. When you recognize people proactively for even the smallest things, because in a community led business, like look at Notion for example, right? It's not just their employees. It's the people that are volunteering their time or look at GitLab. When you proactively recognize them and feel them, make them feel good, they keep showing up. So I call it camper, the camper framework, connection, autonomy, mastery, uh, purpose, energy, okay. recognition. And like when you have the camper framework in your company, in your community, in your relationship, 
you have happy campers. <laughs> it's so good, dude. Oh man, how long did it take you to come up with that? Like, just the camper idea. There's so much like, uh, you images. know, uh, yeah. It, the funny thing is, the camper idea is not something I came up with. It just came to me, and it came to me um, as I was ranting at a at a management offsite. And uh, and I just blurted it out. We need to. Ha- and I just blurted it out. And I don't know how it came to me. And people are like, "That's so cheesy. That's so cheesy." So I, I I used it here. <laughs> I, 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 what I love about it is so visual. I mean, it might be cheesy, but like the idea of taking you know happy campers and you know making sure you're building that relationship, bringing energy to it, it really does make a difference. People sense that, especially if they're in a room, even more so in virtual or like. It's you have to amp up your energy. I'm sure, you know, you have a podcast. You you host webinars. Like your energy just goes on a different level. I noticed, Lloyd, when you're you're like on uh, when you hit record or you go live, just because you know that you need to bring that energy, or else like people are not gonna feel your, your exactly your, what you're talking about. And, and my my energy amps up 10x when I'm in person in front of people. <laughs> like literally, I'm like bouncing it. off the walls because it, you have to, man. A big part of of that is captivating people, right? A job of a leader is to build, inspire, and motivate a team to deliver. Deliver is the output of building, inspiring, and motivating people, right? And so what are the key part of doing that? You have to consistently communicate your vision, your values, the mission, so you energize and inspire people. If you want to just inform people, send a freaking email. But if you are a leader who wants to communicate, then communicate to inspire and energize people. When people walk out of the room, right. they should pick the damn thing and be like, I'm going and I'm not stopping, right? Yeah. And so so that is key. I think having, having that camper values is key. The second thing is figure out the kind of community you want to build, man. Mm. There's three kinds of communities. Mm. Community of practice, which is bringing people together to learn about a specific skill or a craft. Your PLG community that you are part of yeah. is a community of practice. The marketing power-ups community is a community of practice. Saster is a community of practice. Startup Grind is a community of practice around skills, how to make people better and better at their craft. The second is a community of product where, you know, like the Notion community, Atlassian community, GitLab, GitLab community, bringing people to come together to learn about a product, to make the product better, to build on top of the product, to earn from the product, to evangelize the product, community of product, right? And then the last one is a community of play, which is maybe like the Harley Davidson community, Writers Club, or the Nike Running Club, or, you know, you may be a part of a number of community of uh, com- communities of, of play, where you're just hanging out and having fun with people, coming together to have fun. Are you what? What communities are a part of uh, that that fit under those three buckets? You'd say. Yeah, I would say play wise. Um, I like playing like basketball. Like I'm part of this league, so I think that's community play. Practice like I'm I'm part of this like creator um, community online called Creator Science. Uh, and what was the last one again? There's practice community of product product. product. Uh, You're okay. probably not a part of any product 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 community. Uh, maybe maybe Apple. <laughs> All my products are Apple. Like I have a MacBook. I have an iPhone. I think that's an interesting thing where, you know, your community. Um, you were talking about it. Like your your what you're building, it stops being about the product and more so being about feeling like people like they belong. And some exactly. brands have 
you know, gone past just the product itself. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So fall in love with your customer and make them successful beyond your product or service. Right. And that is the key thing. Now, here's the kicker. How do you know which type of community to build? That is important. If you have no customers or you don't have product market fit or you don't have a product that requires people to engage with it regularly, like your Notion or your Apple, if you build a community of product in those kinds of situations, people are just going to think you're trying to sell to them, right? Mm, like, yeah. say you have no customers for your product and be like, oh, it's a product community for XYZ product. They're going to think, you're going to think, oh, dude, they're inviting me to a timeshare presentation, no? <laughs> yeah, you're right. You try to get me to uh, lock in for many years that I can't get out. You I, know? Exactly. So in that situation, you build a community of practice. Mm. So people are coming to learn about the craft. A perfect example of community of practice, two come to mind that built multi-billion dollar companies. HubSpot, inbound mm. community, Gainsight, customer success community. Yeah. The word customer success didn't exist. I watched mm. Nick Mehta literally will that into existence. <laughs> he said, customer service is broken. It needs to be more proactive we need to create content around making people better right. customer success professionals. They started creating events. When they had a critical mass, they created a product. HubSpot, I'm telling you, 2005, four or five, everything I learned about sales and marketing as an engineer was from HubSpot's inbound mm. marketing community. Right. All that inbound marketing certification, the courses, the events. I didn't even know they have a product, man. They barely had a product. They had, they had the marketing grader or the SEO grader or the website grader, but not much of a product beyond that, right? And then what? When they when they built this critical mass, then they started, you know, leveraging the community to give them feedback on what to build, became early adopters. And then years later, when I had money, I've had so much affinity towards HubSpot that Boast uses HubSpot, right? <laughs> so 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 that is a that is the thing. So figure out the kind of community you want to build. And uh, it, it all depends on what where you are in your product journey. Then you gotta nail down your ideal customer profile, figure out this underserved niche and identify their pains, figure out where they eat, breathe, drink, sleep, figure out their goals. But I also say, not just figure out their pains and their goals, figure out their aspirations too. Mm, because, because problems and pains and goals can be short-lived, right? Like, okay, I have a goal for a year next year. But if I want to build a long-term company, then I need to latch on to the aspiration. Look at every company that has 100 million in revenue. They don't just have one product. They have multiple products. Right. If you just latch on to the pain, you're solving for the immediate thing at hand. So you got to latch on to the aspiration. So with Boast, we knew our ideal customer profile's aspiration was to get traction. So the community is called traction. It's not called the Boast community. If I called it the Boast community, people <laughs> would think we're trying to sell them something. But right, exactly, right? So we started with automating funding for research and development. Then the next product became, the, the government funding takes a long time. So we raised a $100 million line of credit to lend them money for R&D. And then we are now launching products that pe give people better analytics on who they should hire, how they should innovate, how they should invest in R&D, because R&D is the lifeblood of tech startups and companies. Without developing products, you have no traction, right? And so that's the whole goal. Why do people need money to fund their business? Why do they want to fund their business to get traction? And so that's the journey you follow in a way is like, what is the aspiration? Now, once you have this goals, aspirations, problems and understand what stands in their way, 
essentially i would frame that as you've seen this and i think you've shared this that that uh, infographic of or or picture of mario eating a mushroom and becoming super mario your product is not the mushroom your product is super mario your customers want an outcome they have an aspiration deliver that aspiration so once you have a good understanding of the customer now write down three things around your customer your customer being the nucleus who do they follow meaning who are the influencers in the space this gives you a list of people that you can invite to your podcast that you can write about that you can invite to your events because their social proof their brand rub will give you social proof right so when we were nobody we started inviting well known speakers who are influencers to our ideal customers and we got their social proof then who do they frequent meaning what platforms they're present on what blogs magazines they read so you can distribute your content on there and the last one is who do they fund meaning what tools or services they pay for that tools or services uh, provider list will give you a list of people you can partner with or co-host stuff with or sponsor yeah so first step is build an audience right you can either be a curator meaning summarize content from experts for your niche or be the expert for your niche for example like if your niche is like founders who are making just starting out and you're making like maybe eight figures revenue so you can talk to them right either you be an expert for your niche or you can be a curator or you could do a mix now through your customer development exercise of understanding your ideal customers their pains their goals their aspirations make sure you write down like 100 burning questions that your niche your audience has so you have a repository of ideas right yeah and you've written books so you know this like if you had to write the ultimate guide to xyz what would be the chapters sub chapters and topics it would include and so then now the simple thing is to build an audience you know where your audience your uh your uh the platforms where your audience uh, ideal customers frequent right if they're on linkedin start creating content on linkedin on a cadence regularly but what i would do is this create a primary channel where your audience predominantly hangs out mm. but then also slice that content for different channels so you can have eyeballs there as well little maybe a long tail so for example you turn an interview into a full youtube then turn it into shorts tiktok reels then you turn the short text into twitter and you turn the long text into linkedin and you're providing value and you're doing with a cadence i kid you not man keep doing this for 6 months and and you'll see what happens mm. now here's what what people don't do they take all this content they dump it on the channels and they hope that the channels will drive them traffic it never works like that you have to seed it in the beginning right so go into your contact list and see who are all my email contacts that fit that icp who are all my whatsapp contacts my linkedin contacts and you know i know people hate doing this and saying this word that i don't want to spam people but scrape it all and send them like a personalized email or that's your initial newsletter right. and and say hey you know what i'm going to i'm i'm i've created this content for you and it's going to provide you xyz value uh, if you like it yeah, if you if you found value in it please like it share it get them to engage with it get your closest you know have a have a one down closer circle from the initial i'm yeah. going to reach out to a mass bunch of people and get them to engage with it so you'll start building an audience now once you've built an audience don't stop there and i'll and i'll tell you we were fortunate to start the traction community at a time where linkedin wasn't prevalent for content distribution this right. is you know the the impetus for traction happened in 2012 even before we called it traction but in 2012 what was happening was LinkedIn wasn't a predominant uh, channel for content distribution. Podcasting for business wasn't prevalent. Mm. 
So there were two things that were happening. There were all these big famous bloggers like Neil Patel and Jason Lemkin and Jason Fried from Basecamp and all these guys, Brian Balfour. And then a lot of events were happening. And when we started the company, here's how we landed on our ICP. This is a funny thing. Initially, our reflex was call our ICP. We didn't even know how to pick the ICP. So we said, we'll call manufacturing, construction, oil and gas. And when we started calling, cold calling these people to buy our stuff, which is, oh, give us your product development data and we'll give you money from the government. And no equity, no interest. They're like, right. this sounds like a scam, right? <laughs> manufacturing, oil and gas construction. And right. the people who didn't think it's a scam, they're like, oh, we're working with a big accounting firm. So dejected, you know, when, when you're punched in the face, yeah. I say your reflexes kick in. My reflex was community. So I said, you know, forget this cold calling. Let's right. just go to the events mm -hmm. of oil and gas construction manufacturing. And I kid you not, when, when we went there, we looked like two guys wearing a suit jacket on top of a hoodie and they looked like the cigars club. We just couldn't resonate. We couldn't resonate. It felt like, oh man, we're done here. Yeah. So dejected now, further dejected, we start researching any startup community events happening. And this was Calgary, Alberta, Canada at the time. And when we went to the first startup event, we felt like we found our tribe, immediate conversations. Yeah. We were starting out, they were starting out. We started hanging out with them. One conversation led to the next. We started partying with them on the weekends. We started having dinners, lunches with them. We started participating hackathons with them. We started, man, we started even hosting events with them. And then I realized that, you know, when you're in it, it's like throwing spaghetti on the wall. But when, you, when you've made money, you realize what's the framework. Now let's, let's even, you know, I talked about finding your ICP. Yeah. Say you don't know how to find an ICP. Here are four steps to figure out the ICP. Yeah. Number one, do I love this audience? We talked about this. <laughs> right. building, building anything is a marathon. And if you hate your audience, you won't sustain. Number two, is it a small but growing niche? The startup niche was small in 2012, but we knew the number of funding that was going from investors and whatnot. That, and, and if you want to follow anything, just follow the innovation. If you want to follow growth in an industry. And so we knew that it would explode. So number two, number two was... Is it a small but growing niche? I like small niches because when you niche down, you find white spaces. When you niche up, it's just like you're trying to be everything to everyone. The third thing is, um, is there a propensity to pay? If they don't pay you, you have no freaking business. And number four, is there ease of access? Imagine you have love for this audience and it's massive and they have the propensity to pay, but, but you can't get a hold of anyone. Then that's the difference between being a businessman and an artist. Mm. Yeah. Like a starving artist, right? So, so, so those are the things to, to pick your pick your ICP. But then, then what happened with Boast was we found two white spaces. White space one number one was in Calgary at the time. Nobody was covering startups, mm. and number two, all the events that were happening in person was high level CEO platitudes, like these inspirational talks from CEOs of companies that are like fifty hundred million in revenue. If I quit my job to do a company, Rambly. I don't need inspiration. I need tactics, no? Like, how do I get my first customers? And how do I launch my product? And how do I do the onboarding flow? I don't need, like, Elon Musk inspiration. How much will I listen to that? True, right. And, and there was no, no, no tactical business podcasts. Only blogs were happening. And we said, if we write a blog on our, blog, on our website, we'll be crushed. It'll take years to get the SEO. So we said, we'll do one or two things. We need to have an online audience and we need to bring this audience together in person to build our credibility because we're asking for R&D data. It was just like we lucked into this in a way, in the sense it was necessity being the mother of all inventions. So I reached out to the Post Media, which was running Calgary Herald, and asked them to give me a blog to cover startups. Yeah. And they said no. 
So I reached out to Tech Tech Vibes, yeah. which is the regional blog at the time, and I said, "Hey, give me a post. I'll cover startups in Calgary. They want content. If you reach out to Tech Vibes and Beta Kid, they'll give you." So they gave me a blog post. I covered local startups. Now again, I leveraged this strategy. I didn't just leave it on the blog. I reached out to my whole contact list and asked them to share and retweet. They retweeted the hell out of it, and. I went back to the newspaper because I wanted to be in the newspaper, and I said, "See how much traffic this blog post that I did got. You're losing the young demographic. If you cover startups, the newspaper won't be a dying medium in this region, right?" And he's like, "Fine, you know what? This blog post has got a lot of traffic. I will give you a blog post, a blog post, not not a column, a blog post." Now, another key learning is. If you're an entrepreneur, unless you're doing something illegal, never ask for permission. Beg for forgiveness. I like it. Yeah. So I called that blog post. Now it was a blog post. Hey, he didn't give me a recurring column. I called that blog post "Startup of the Week," mm. and that implied now it's it's on the newspaper blog that the newspaper has started this weekly column to commemorate and award startups. And Lloyd came into this community like a messiah. and i covered a startup that had got 3 million in funding and wasn't getting any coverage and they blew it up and i reached out to the whole contact list everyone blew it up oh startup of the week in the post media calgary herald now i have missed calls from the editor and i'm freaking out i mustered some courage and i call him and he's like lloyd that was great it got a lot of traffic if you commit to writing it every week i'll give you a print column mm. boom yeah so now two obscure guys all of a sudden are newspaper level credibility i get a backlink every week to my new website from the highest domain authority website in canada post media which is a, either is the news website or the government website have the highest domain authority right yeah i have this interesting dynamic happening every week where you know people still believe in the print medium right it seems legit so entrepreneurs were going at 6 7 in the morning collecting papers newspaper clippings taking photos and sharing it all over social And the fourth thing that happened, which is the key thing, it helped me collect email addresses. I put a form there saying, "If you want to apply, fill out this form." So my database started building. I didn't stop there. We did that startup of the week column every week for almost three years. And when I stopped writing it, got busy with boast, that column also stopped. But every week we did one very interesting thing. We knew that all the events were high-level CEO platitudes. We we started a weekly meetup. We reached out to everyone who applied and people we knew and said, "Hey, we're hosting a meetup, and Ramli is going to talk about how to design the best onboarding flow to have highly engaged users." Talks like that, very tactical. We have only ten spots and free pizza. We had we had free space at the co-working space, right? Ten people would show up. So basically, what I did was an influencer for that audience that was immediately relevant to talk about a tactical topic and FOMO, ten spots. We never stopped, man. We kept doing it and doing it and doing it. Free co-working, uh, free co-working space uh, venue, right? One day, Ramli, I kid you not, two hundred people came to the co-working wow. space for an event. That's pretty cool. And and the guys who were running the co-working space lost it. They're like, you hijacked the aisles. You put some projector in the middle of the aisles. Yeah. What the hell is this, right? That you can't do this. Right. And at that point, the event wasn't even named anything. It was just pizza nights. and that transformed into eventually becoming the traction conference mm. so the point i'm trying to make here is have an online medium where you consistently create for your icp where your audience is most active and then you can slice that content into multiple formats and put it on other channels just to get the long tail of the eyeballs 
But then make sure you find a way to collect that audience's email addresses. Otherwise, you will not own it. Like, think about it. You think you own your audience on LinkedIn? You don't. You don't have their email address. You think you own it on podcasts, on TikTok? You don't. If they change the algorithm, you're done. So make sure you collect the email address. And it doesn't have to be like a Saster or a Web Summit or a traction style production. Because, you know, instead of doing one big conference a year, for most people building community, doing a weekly or bi-weekly meetup run in a very sort of grassroots style with pizza and good conversations is not only easier, it's also better. It follows this framework of Hooked, right? Think about it. I, You know the Hooked framework by Nereal. Have you yep, heard of it? 100%. Right? And that's also a way to make your community sticky and many things sticky, right? It takes a, It basically turns your core action into a ritual. How? There's an external trigger right? Everyone in the beginning needs an external trigger. Like you need to be beaten on the head to, to, to do something for the first time. And you get that trigger and you take an action. Now, when you take that action, if the dopamine hit is variable, is different, then it keeps you coming back for more and you get this new dopamine hit and you get invested. Now, what happens when you promote one big virtual summit or one big annual conference? You're sharing the same message. Come to this, come to this, come to this, come to this. But if I say this week, Ramley is going to talk about onboarding flow. And next week, Lloyd's going to talk about how he bootstrapped his company to 10 million. And like every week, I'm sending you a different message. It's a different dopamine hit. So you don't know who to what to expect. And so then you start getting more and more hooked. And so that's what, what, what happened. Now, a lot of people say, oh, do you need to do in-person events? Look at... You know, and let's not look at the anomalies, but look at everything from like Christ to CrossFit and everything in between, right? Some of the biggest iconic brands and sustainable community-led businesses, they're built on in-person connection. Uh, and the reason for that is right now we're sound in sight. If we were in person, there's more senses, taste, touch, smell. Anytime you incorporate more than two senses, you build stronger connections. Sure. It's like we were hanging out in person. Yeah. We'd build stronger connections. We'd get to know each other's families. Imagine we got this far on the phone a couple times, right, on on video chat. But if we were in person, we'd hang out, then we'd have dinner, and we build a stronger bond. And when you do that sustainably over time, you build a strong community. And then when you layer on a purpose that's greater than the profit of the community, like let's create some impact, right. boom, that becomes a movement. This is so good. You really like went on a masterclass about like building community and the impact it is. Thank you for sharing this story. Um, I really do appreciate that. Everything you've talked about is so valuable. I can't wait to for people to hear this. For people, before we uh, shift gears, I'm gonna encourage people to check out your book once again. It's available on Amazon, everywhere else. Uh, from grassroots to greatness. I want to shift gears one time and talk about career power ups. And I know it's probably going to be around community, but I'm curious, you know, you've been in marketing and sales now for a long time, having, you know, bootstrap um, both to 10 million in revenue. What's a power up that's helped you uh, in your career? I guess other than community, <laughs> if you can pick one. There's four power ups. And if you have these four power ups, you'll have everything. Trust me on this. And Boast is now uh, over 20 million. It's, it's done amazing. well. Congrats. And, uh, but not bootstrap, of course, we, we raise money and, and whatnot, but, um, these four things, number one community, right? I said that your companions matter the most and everything I have is because of this community. Number two is communication. 
from convincing your spouse to let you do a company despite repeated failures to evangelizing customers to believe in you when you have no product to aligning employees around an obscure vision when it's not fully formed to eventually convincing investors media is all communication if you can't communicate ramley you don't have an audience you have an empty room number 3 is your ability to create creation mm. think about it and creation doesn't mean just creating products it also means creating content right. it also means creating influence it also means creating playbooks because as a founder when you're starting out you're just creating right i need to create the playbooks how do i get customers I'm creating messaging it's all creation and number 4 ramley without this fourth c you have nothing you may have the best community right you may have the best communication and you have the best creation but if you don't have this fourth thing you will fail and from warren buffett to larry ellison to uh, elon musk to mr beast have this fourth thing in common is consistency okay. consistency on right. small actions lead to big mm. outcomes over time the greatest of all times they never stop they they don't do 100 things they do one or two things consistently well repeatedly over time look at mr beast's first few videos they sucked look at nas <laughs> daily's first few videos hey i, I I was part of HubSpot's inbound marketing uh, certification Gary V in 2004-5 was running this Wine TV and right. he had a 60 minute master class on video creation you know how he was a chubby guy with not the best communication but like he was so bullish about this right. he never stopped he was Gary Vaynerchuk and I'm like who is this guy right. today he's Gary V he's an icon mm. right and so that's the thing communication community communication creation and consistency are my four power ups. If you enjoyed this episode, you'd love the marketing power ups newsletter. I share the actionable takeaways and break down the frameworks of world-class marketers. You can go to marketingpowerups.com to subscribe and you'll instantly unlock the three best frameworks that top marketers use to hit their KPIs consistently and wow their colleagues. I want to say thank you to you for listening and please like and follow Marketing Power Ups on YouTube, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you're feeling extra generous, head to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a comment on YouTube. It goes a long way in others finding out about Marketing Power Ups. Thanks to Mary Solden for creating the artwork and design and thank you to Faisal Kaigo for editing the intro video. And of course, thank you for listening. It's all for now. Have a powered up day. Marketing Power Ups. Until the next episode.